0: yukon struggle to defend their national championship and is hunter dickinson even a lock to make the first team all big 12 our boldest takes here on locked on college basketball as the calendar flips to november you are locked on college basketball part of the locked on podcast network your team every day what's up folks welcome in to the locked on college basketball podcast the only daily national college hoop show out there part of course of the locked on podcast network your team every day we are your co-hosts i'm andy patton he is isaac shade and i want to thank you for making this show your first listen or your first watch every single day and as a reminder we are sponsored by fanduel today's episode brought to you by fanduel make every moment more Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Folks, happy November. It is officially the start of the college basketball season. There's been unofficial starts with exhibition games, secret scrimmages, all sorts of good stuff. But this week, into next week, I should say, we are getting real, actual college basketball games are going to take place so excited Isaac we have ourselves our bold prediction show here Uh, For those of you who maybe missed our second ever episode, which I think is understandable because the second episode we did was on November 8th of 2022, and it was a bold predictions episode. So happy to keep the tradition alive. We've finally been around long enough to have some traditions, which is very cool. Uh, For those of you who want to get more involved this year, you can join us on our Discord channel as well. Want to make sure to shout that out. There's a link in the show notes here on audio or video. Click there. You'll be invited into our Discord channel. We're talking college basketball all the time very excited to bring that in as a new, hopefully, tradition that will carry on in the future. But Isaac, for now, I want to get into our bold predictions. Each yeah. of us have three. We're each going to talk about one per segment here. I'm going to let you lead it off with your hot take prediction about Hunter Dickinson in Kansas.
1: Yeah, I'm going to start right in with my wildest, boldest take, Andy, because uh, I think I think this is going to upset the Jayhawk fan base, but maybe make the Michigan fan base a little bit happy. <laughs> Hunter Dickinson, here it is. Hunter Dickinson not only doesn't make the first team All-American team, he doesn't make first team All-Big 12. Ooh, spicy. And the other, Yeah, well, here we go. It's bold. It's it's not supposed <laughs> to be something that happens. It's supposed to be out there. Listen, yeah. Hunter Dickinson wasn't first team All-Big 10 last year, if that's yeah. news to people. Obviously, Zach Eady topped yeah. that list, but – we can have more than one center mm-hmm. on a team and he didn't make it. He was ousted by other people. Yeah. Now I, I will say there are fewer uh, combatants mm-hmm. at positionally in the big 12 than there were in the big 10 last year. So that is part of this. But when you start part of this for me is when you start to look at the, the actual preseason big 12 list, it was Dickinson along with LJ Cryer, Dewan mm-hmm. Harris, Emmanuel Miller from TCU and Max uh, Acemas from Texas. Mm-hmm. Your your list on our Big 12 show, Andy, included yeah. Dickinson, Cryer, and Acemas, but you yeah. also added Tyler Perry. You mm-hmm. also added Jameer Nelson Jr. That's I great. also added Jamal Shedd and Dylan mm-hmm. Desoux and Jalen Bridges. Yeah. And I haven't even named Tyrese Hunter, Ray J. Dennis, Jesse Edwards, Jawan Roberts, KJ Adams, Kevin McCuller, Arthur Columa, Jacoby Walter, and Marco Jackson, Bryce Thompson, and John Hoogley, who used to be a dude at Pitt. And <laughs> I say all that ridiculous list of names to say, mm-hmm. This conference is loaded. Yeah. You yourself mm-hmm. on our big 12 preview said, and I quote Dickinson mm-hmm. and crier are pretty close to locks. If those teams do what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you today. They might not. Well, crier, I think probably is because he's not my thing, mm-hmm. but Andy, the most likely thing short sure, yeah. is that Hunter Dickinson is a no brainer. First teamer, especially mm-hmm. again, because of position, mm-hmm. but there were times at Michigan when I watched him get, kind of gamed out of things by some other, like uh, against North Carolina, by Armando Baycott, by some other bigs like that. And so there is a, a world in which he's part of this really talented Kansas team and maybe he loses out to another teammate, kind of a split vote thing, whether it's McCullough or Adams or uh, Harris or whomever, it maybe freshman, or Marco Jackson, who knows. But in this bold world that I'm living in, Hunter Dickinson is not a first team all big 12 player.
0: Yeah, for me, I think I feel like the roster is really tailor made for Dickinson to be the leading scorer, which is why this is a bold prediction in my mind. Because if it's not Dickinson, who's going to take that mantle? Are they going to funnel the offense through Adams? Like, what is that going to look like with such good distributors and good defenders around Dickinson? I think the roster is really built for him. But you're right, he wasn't even all first team Big Ten last year. I think just automatically crowning him there is definitely you know the, the Kansas has got some work to do, and he's got some some work to do to prove that he can be in that conversation. Doesn't mean he won't be. Certainly could be, but I can see a reality, uh, especially when we're doing bold predictions where something like that could, in fact, happen. Isaac, you were talking about how great the Big 12 is, and I'm going to switch over and talk about how great the Big East is and make my prediction here that UConn, coming off a national championship, finishes outside the top four in their own club. Oh, my word. And starting just, just to start it off right now, most projections have them third. So not having them in the top four, it's not like you know this is the consensus number one team in the Big East. Right now, Creighton and Marquette and UConn are all kind of lumped together. Some places have UConn third, some places have UConn first, but you generally see those kind of top three teams shake out in any kind of preseason rankings when you're looking at this conference. We also have Villanova. And for our top 25 that we released on Monday's episode, I think we had, or on Tuesday's episode, excuse me, we had UConn nine and we had Villanova eleven. So we're basically viewing those two teams as very comparable. To me, Villanova eclipsing UConn doesn't feel insane. It doesn't feel out of the realm of possibilities with, you know, with Hakeem Hart coming in, with TJ Bamba coming in, uh, with healthy Justin Moore, with Eric Dixon back. Like, I think Villanova could be a top 10 team in the country, and I think that could be enough to to potentially push UConn down. And then you have St. John's. What does that team look like with Rick Pitino? They're a tremendous wild card. Xavier obviously lost some front court depth, which is really going to hurt them. But I like the two additions they made in the backcourt and McKnight and Oliveri. Providence, probably not better than UConn, but they're going to be in that conversation as well. And and for me, UConn, you know... we focus a lot on who they got back. They have Caravan coming back. They have Donovan Klingon coming back. They have Tristan Newton coming back, but Klingon's dealing with some injury stuff. It sounds like he's okay right now. Foot stuff can linger. Hope, hope, hope. That is not the case for Klingon. If he's dealing with any kind of foot soreness, that could be an impact for him. And, And beyond that, we're just kind of making this assumption that he's going to take this huge jump after playing 13 minutes per game last year. There's a lot of reasons to believe that he might But it's not crazy to imagine that jumping from 13 minutes to 27 minutes per game might not yield the exact same results for a Beyond that, this team also loses, you know, they lose Adama Sanogo, they lose Jordan Hawkins, they lose Andre Jackson, they lose Joey Calcaterra coming off the bench. Nahima Lean transfers, like, this is a ton of scoring, a ton of rebounding, a ton of defense all out the door. And while I like the newcomers, I don't know that they can replicate all that. Stefan Castle is going to have to be an absolute dude. Yeah, yeah. For and he might be. He's a fantastic prospect for a reason, but him coming in, Cam Spencer was good at Rutgers. He was not elite at Rutgers. He was good, a solid player who I think will be a solid player at UConn, but that is still a ton of talent that needs to be replaced. This bench is very, very lacking experience. Hassan Diara played about 13 minutes per game last year. Samson Johnson played about four minutes per game last year. That's pretty much it coming off their bench that has Division I college basketball experience. I think UConn's going to be really good, but I also think the team that finishes fifth in the Big East is going to be really good. And there is a way where this bold prediction comes true and St. John's and Villanova potentially clip UConn and push them down to fifth in this really, really good conference.
1: Andy, there's no way it could be St. John's, didn't you hear they lost an exhibition game to a D2 program? That means yeah, they're true, not right? be <laughs> all season long, and and uh, Rick Pitino is going to be in the CBI. That's no that's, uh, man. People overreact to these exhibition games so wildly; it's incredible. I love it. Um, so Andy, let me answer me this question: If let's say in in this scenario, Marquette, Creighton, Villanova is one, two, three in some order, who who would you say is is St. John's, or who would be that most likely? Fourth team if it's not Yukon.
0: If it's not Yukon, um pr- it probably is St. John's, just because they're such a wild card. I-, I think they could also finish like ninth. Like I think that's realistically possible. But if it- Patino's such a good coach, if he writes the ship with these guys, I know it was a, a rough start, but a brand new roster. This yeah. team's gonna probably struggle a bit out the gate. But you tell me they can't put it together in time for the big East to make a run like that. I think yeah. it's possible. Yeah. Whereas Providence and Xavier, I think, are good teams, but it's harder for me to see the reality where they're better than UConn. Whereas with St. John's, they might be a lot worse, but there is a reality with the amount of talent on that roster. If Patino gets the pieces together, that they're better. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I I could see it more from Providence, certainly than, Mm -hmm. than Xavier. I'm a little bit worried about Xavier this year, to be honest. And and that's the thing it's gotta be, to me, it would have to be St. John's or Providence because it Mm -hmm. ain't Georgetown. It ain't Seton Hall. It ain't Butler. And it ain't DePaul. Um, but, but, you know, you got somebody like Bryce Hopkins, man, he's an absolute mm-hmm. dude. So, um, I, I think it would have to be Providence or St. John's if that's going to be the play. And I, I love everything you said there. There's so much talent, but it's so unproven. Like mm-hmm. we think Stefan Castle's going to be awesome, but we haven't seen it. We yeah. think Donovan Klingon's going to project to these higher numbers, but mm-hmm. there's the foot thing we always talk about. We hate foot things with big dudes, yep. and and then we haven't seen it extrapolated out to more minutes, as you were talking about, mm-hmm. so there are a lot of question marks, Uh and so I, I like this one a lot. Andy, mm-hmm. great call. <laughs> now, uh Andy, we got to move to the SEC. You got a hot take from down in Gainesville, and I, unfortunately, I got some potentially bad news for a team from Spokane, Washington. <laughs> uh We're going to get to that. In just a second, right after I tell you that this episode of locked on college basketball is brought to you by FanDuel score early this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins, perhaps you've been thinking about joining FanDuel there's no better time than right now to get in on that action. The app is so easy to use. There's a whole big range of betting options that you can get into. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. In our world, college basketball wooden award line is out. Let me give you the favorites for it. Zach Eady is number one on the list at plus 155. Then some dude that's playing in Lawrence, Kansas, that is clearly not going to be on the all-Big 12 first team. And then Kyle Filipowski (laughs) from Duke at plus 900. Donovan Klingon, who we just talked about, at plus 1,700, and North Carolina's Armando Baycott at plus 2,000. Folks, visit FanDuel.com slash locked and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Andy, bold prediction part two. Moving into it right now. Uh, let's just go snake draft order here. Why don't you go ahead and take us with your second bold prediction?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm feeling the hype train in Gainesville, Florida, for Todd Golden and the Florida Gators, and then I got them. My bold prediction. Again, we're trying to make these bold, bold, bold capital B. Uh, so bold they're scary, as we can say. I know we're a day after Halloween, but still fun to make the <laughs> reference. Um, I'm going to say Saints Day, Andy. It lives on. You're right. Yeah, it works. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say that Florida finishes top three in the SEC. Ooh. Yeah, top three Ooh. team in a conference with Tennessee, with Texas A&M, with Kentucky, with Arkansas, with Bama, with Auburn, et cetera, et cetera. Todd Gold and the Florida Gators finished top three. This team had a tremendous offseason in the transfer portal. Good. One of the additions was EJ Jarvis from Yale, a double-digit scorer in the Ivy League. He's not going to be with the team, so that is a, that is a hurts them. But the rest of the additions, unbelievable. Walter Clayton from Iona, 17 points, 3.2 assists per game, 43% three-point shooter. He slides into a starting guard role for them right away. It's really difficult to replace Colin Castleton, and nobody on this roster is going to just fully be able to replicate what the big fella could do. But I really like the addition of Micah Handlogton from Marshall. Uh, not as much of a score, about 7 points per game, but about 10 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, 66% from the field. Obviously how that translates into the SEC is going to be a huge question for Golden and that staff, but you get Clayton in, you get the big fellow from Marshall coming in, Zion Poland coming in from Riverside of about 18 points per game last year, Tyrese Samuel from Seton Hall, 11 and five. Like this is a really good class of players via the transfer portal. Really, really good. Beyond that, you get Riley Kugel back. Riley Kugel was awesome at the end of last season. 17 points per game in his final 10 game shot, 38% from deep. There is SEC preseason player of the year hype around Riley Kugel. He's showing up in the lottery of NBA mock drafts right now. The hype train on Riley Kugel has left the station. It left a couple of months ago. There is a bunch of enthusiasm about him. Todd Golden is a a coach I watched a ton at San Francisco, and his ability to develop guards is unprecedented. Mm. Jamari Bouye went from a complete no-name D2 player to an NBA player with the Miami Heat. Khalil Shabazz started his career at community college, left San Francisco as their all-time leading three-point shooter. He has developed guards at an elite rate. Look at the development of Riley Kugel last year. Now you have Walter Clayton from Iona, who again was a fantastic mid-major player. You have Zion Poland from Riverside, who is 18 point per game scorer. You get another year with Kugel, like this. You have Will Richard, who has an NBA frame and size and, and potential and his, you know, just his, his abilities already. This is a really good team with a really good coach who I think has gotten kind of some of those early, you know, first time power six coach jitters out. And I think they're ready to make some really serious noise in a very good SEC, but an SEC that I think is penetrable uh, by a team like this Florida team.
1: Andy, here's why I love this as a bold take. I was looking as you were talking, the preseason SEC media poll, Florida is eighth looking Mm -hmm. at like the Almanac preseason. They've got Florida seventh, like it, it, not that they're like, I mean, we're not talking like TCU or uh, mm-hmm. Kansas State depth from last year mm-hmm. coming from the bottom of the Big 12. But I, I love this as a bold prediction because the talent is there yeah. to, to foresee it. But it's mm-hmm. bold because there's some teams above them. Yeah. Like the SEC, man, this is is this as good as we've seen the SEC? Yeah. Like it's
0: it's
1: awesome. I'm so excited yeah. for it. Um, here's part of what I think can make this happen. Andy, I I was actually thinking about Florida the other day um, because I'm going to – I can't remember when it is, but I'm going to hop on uh, Locked on Gators with our guy Brandon Olson. And here's one of kind of my takes for the Gators this year. I see – this is going to be like my Florida bold prediction. (laughs) I see a world in which Walter Clayton could be Florida's best player. Yeah. If Riley Kugel is Florida's second best player, that could be a world in which this bold prediction is coming to life. You know Mm. what I'm saying? Like if that could be – a one-two punch right there for Gainesville. And even if Clayton is a, a Robin to Kugel's Batman, even if, I, like, if I'm slightly bold on it, then yeah. cool. So, Andy, this is great. The SEC is going to be downright awesome. Folks, yeah. make sure you're dialed in on it. Uh Andy, okay, here's mine. <laughs> Folks, I'll just give you the, the prediction right out of the gate. Gonzaga's sweet 16 streak is going to come to an end an inglorious end in 2024. I'm yeah. not saying they're not going to make the tournament. I'm not saying they're going to not win a first round game. I'm just saying they're not going to make the second weekend. And this streak is stupidly cool. Yeah, The last eight NCAA tournaments, Gonzaga has made the sweet 16. Andy, what a wild streak that is. And frankly, if the 2020 tournament had been played, mm-hmm. it would have been nine. Let's be honest about that, mm-hmm. barring some kind of weird setback. hmm everything has to come to an end at some point. If ever there's going to be a year where Gonzaga sweet 16 street comes to an end, this is a year where it would make sense to do so because there's more uncertainty in Spokane right now than ever. Mm -hmm. As, as you said on a, I guess it was maybe our top 25 show earlier this week with drew Timmy out the door Mm -hmm. with all these guys gone that were part of it last year. Like I'm very hopeful that Graham EK is going to be okay. And if so, Mm -hmm. this blows up my prediction here. Mm Um, but you know, like there's just some of those question marks similar to kind of what we were talking about with Yukon yeah. uh, a second ago. I think there's some of that for the Zags this year yeah. there, are, but if the pieces come together, cool. But even still, even if that happens, the NCAA tournament, like part of this is the Gonzaga of it. Part mm-hmm. of this is the wildness of the NCAA tournament where yeah. the, the wrong matchup at the wrong time the wrong like off day at the wrong time. Any of that can go wrong in a one-off setting like the NCAA tournament. So all good things must come to an end. And my bold prediction is that 2024 is when Gonzaga's eight straight tournament sweet 16 streak comes to an end.
0: I like to point out to just that people like to assume that this sweet 16 streak has been Gonzaga always getting one seed. And it's like, Oh, they make the sweet 16 because they beat up on a 16 seed. They beat up on an eight or a nine seed. I think the first or second year they were an 11 seed. Uh, they've been four seeds in this tournament. Like they haven't just been getting it as one seeds. Gonzaga has been able to find their way into that second weekend, regardless of where they end up getting seeded. But I totally see the rationale behind this prediction. Drew Timmy out the door is an unbelievable change for Gonzaga. It's a shift in in how they operate. They're not going to feed Graham EK the ball the same way they fan, they fed Drew Timmy the ball. They can't. So they're going to have to adjust. I love the addition of Ryan Demphard, but similar to UConn, like you said, Gonzaga has one player projected to come off the bench who's played really any significant minutes at the Division I level. And that's Ben Gregg. I think Ben Greg is great. I like him. I think he's going to have a big role, but every other rotation, every other be- backup player for Gonzaga has not played college basketball at the Division One level. None of them. So that is a brand new bench. And that's going to be difficult to kind of acclimate. And they have more competition from St. Mary's in the conference. They have a fantastic non-conference schedule, as they always do. They got Kentucky in February, which I think is going to help them. So I think that they'll, be, they'll have the ship righted by the time we get into February, March. But we've also seen a lot of freshmen struggle towards the end of the year because it is a long season. And, and for me, seeing Gonzaga maybe peak a little too early struggle in March, it honestly wouldn't shock me. It would be disappointing to see the streak come to an end. It's been one of the more fun kind of streaks to follow in college basketball, but uh, this is a, this is a Gonzaga team where there's more questions than there've been in a long time. Does that mean Mark few can't answer them? Of course not. But does it mean the streak is in jeopardy? Yeah. I think that's reasonable to, to say, well, Isaac, we got two more very fun predictions to close out the show. We're talking about a mid major program from the West coast, potentially making the sweet 16 and two First-time Final Four teams that could happen this year. All of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Folks, passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what helps keep your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your car every single time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're not burning cash, you're burning rubber. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that trophy. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. It's eligible items only, exclusions do apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. All right, Isaac, we are down to it. Two more bold predictions to get to here. We're doing snake style draft. We ended with your take there on Gonzaga. So I'm gonna pick it up here, talking about another mid-major team from the West Coast. If you can call Gonzaga a mid-major, that's maybe a conversation for another time, but I think you can certainly call Santa Barbara a mid-major team coming out of the Big West Conference. And my prediction here is that Santa Clara is going to go, or Santa Barbara is going to go to the Sweet 16? The Gauchos of Santa Barbara in the Sweet 16. Now this team has made the NCAA tournament in two of the last three years. They've been a 14 seed and a 12 seed, but they have not advanced past the first round since back in 2011. Why I think this could happen? A couple reasons. AJ Mitchell. Starting point guard, 16 points, five assists last year. He's a junior veteran guy, potential Big West player of the year candidate. There's some really talented players in the Big West, but A.J. Mitchell's among the best. We talk a lot about veteran guards and how valuable they are when you get into March. The Gauchos, check. They have that. They are losing two key front court players in Miles Norris and Andre Kelly, but I love their additions up front. The biggest storyline for Santa Barbara, one of the biggest kind of Mid-major transfer storylines in the sport. Johan Treore. There it is. There top it 25 is. 25 prospect as a freshman, committed to Auburn. Huge hype around him and Bruce Pearl and what he was going to do for the Tigers. And it just didn't pan out. Less than 10 minutes per game, two points, one and a half rebounds. Basically, was a non-factor for this team down the stretch. He hits the transfer portal and now he goes to the big west where he might dominate. You know, if you're looking for, and I, I I know this is going to be a phrase that people use a lot uh, the next Brandon Pajemski, you know, a guy transferred from <laughs> Illinois to Santa Clara, has a monster year, gets drafted in the lottery, like, or just outside the lottery. There probably aren't going to be Brandon Pajemskys every single year. I think it's important to acknowledge that. But if you're looking for a, a mid major player who transferred from a power five school who might dominate, I think that conversation has to start with Johan Traore. I think he could be absolutely incredible for Joe Pasternak and the Gauchos. They also have a transfer from Creighton and Ben Stolzberg, a uh, six foot four guard who played about six minutes per game last year for the Blue Jays. They keep a couple other key starters. There's a lot going for this team. They have talent. They have experience. They have depth. They have potential like lottery gambles on guys like Traore and Stolzberg. They have a really, really good, deep, experienced coach. He's won 71% of his games the last six years at Santa Barbara. I think this team's running away with the Big West title. I think they might be able to sneak into the 12 seed conversation. Uh, And I think there's a chance that with this team coming together the way that they're capable of with that veteran experience in the backcourt, that they could really uh, upset somebody in that NCAA tournament. Heck maybe they beat Gonzaga. And that's how that's (laughs) these two predictions (laughs) could both come true in in that reality. But I, I I think this Gauchos team is dangerous and people need to keep an eye on them.
1: Dude, that would be wild. What if our two of our (laughs) both predictions came true because of one another? I'm all about it. you, You hit it on the head to me. The answer to this question, if it comes true, is in the person of Johan There, I mean, due respect to everyone else on this roster, Mm -hmm. this this bold prediction is solely based on him being the person we expected him to be at Auburn last year. I remember uh, preseason talking with uh, our good buddy, our boss, Zach Mm -hmm. Blackerby, the -hmm. host of Locked on Auburn, and just glowing, gushing about him. I was so excited for him. And it just didn't work. It's so funny, Andy. As you were talking about it, I was like, in my head, I was thinking, you know, if this turns out well for Trevor, it could be a very similar storyline to Brandon Pajemski. And then you said it. So (laughs) I'm right with you on that. Like, this could be the year where he puts it all together. Now, the reason it's bold is because we saw what he didn't do at Auburn last year. And if it's more of that, then this falls apart. And so it's as simple as that. This bold prediction to me is purely based on Johan Treor being an absolute dude in the Big West Conference. All right, Mr. Patton, here we go. Our last bold prediction of the day. My, this is kind of a parlay, I guess we'll call it. Uh, and uh, they both have to come true for it to hit. But you know, if one of the two of them hits, I'm going to come back around and claim it as a win. Uh, here it is. Two teams make their first ever Final Four in 2024, one of whom has to be Creighton. All right, so I want to talk about the Creighton of it all because the other side of it is super general, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Let me me look at the Creighton side of this. Andy, they've made two Elite Eights ever in program history, 1941 (laughs) and 2023. And let's not forget, they lost by 1%. Point to eventual national runner-up San Diego State. 57. Ryan Nemhard
0: foul away from going to the Final Four last A year. A phantom
1: Ryan Nemhard, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's let's just call that what it or let's call that since it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, I mean, not to your point, but with what you just said right there, mm-hmm. losing Ryan Nemhard as yeah. very difficult and wildly unexpected, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then Arthur Kaluma as well. Two tough losses, but Andy, they have replenished both of those guys, and. I more than any other team this offseason, every time I look at their roster, I get a little bit more excited about it. Yeah, let's start with Trey Alexander. Anytime you can get back somebody who is a le- could have legitimately gone in the NBA draft and is like, I'm gonna come back all the same, that to me is a massive thing. Like, that is part of the DNA of teams that win the next year over mm-hmm. and over and over again. But guess what, folks. It ain't just about Trey Alexander. You have a couple other NBA level dudes on this team. Mm -hmm. We're looking at Baylor Shireman, who could have stayed in the draft. We're looking at somebody like Ryan Kalkbrenner, who Mm -hmm. I'm assuming doesn't get mono again this season. And if I remember correctly, I picked him as my Big East player of the year on our Big East preview, like those three, and then you add in Steven Ashworth coming over as one of the one of these main transfers we're talking about mm-hmm. to replace um, what you lose in Ryan Nemhard. Now he's a different type of player, let's be honest about that. For example, he's some and well some have said, a lot of said, I would say it, he's not the playmaker that Ryan mm-hmm. Nemhard was or is. Heck of a shooter though. Heck of a shooter. Yeah. Unreal shooter. Mm-hmm. And so guess what's going to happen, Andy? You know who can be more of a playmaker this year and who Coach McDermott has said will be more of a playmaker? That NBA-caliber dude, Trey Alexander. You get him out going and distributing more to help out Stephen Ashworth? Come on. I'm excited to see it. And then you take those four, and you then all Mason Miller has to do is just be solid and steady at the four, even if he wins that job. There are other people who could win it from him, like Isaac Trout, the Virginia transfer, Mm -hmm. who is a 6'10 dude that can stretch four Mm -hmm. and be a shooter. So all they need is that top four. Whoever plays the four, whether it's Miller or Trout or somebody else, and then you just need a little more help off the bench. Francisco Farabello, probably the first guard off the bench. Jonathan Lawson, all his length coming over from Memphis. But here's the other thing, Andy, they don't need much help beyond the starting five. Mm -hmm. Creighton was 351st in the nation in bench minutes last year, (laughs) and that's not a blip on the radar, Andy. They've been outside the top 300 in bench usage each of the last four years. So, if, if this top five can stay healthy, key, key, key word there, um, and do what we expect them to do. I have Creighton, as as I said, I've got them as my biggest champ, but I say they make their first ever program final four.
0: Man. If is Creighton's fourth best player, Steven Ashworth, like he's one of the best fourth, best players in the country, I think, but I think he has.
1: Can I say what I think is true about what you just asked? Yeah. On any given night, it could be any of those. Totally. I think that's what is part of this.
0: Yeah. Ashworth's going to lead this team in scoring a handful of times this year, if not more. He's a fantastic floor spacer. It's really going to be fun to see Alexander in more of a playmaking role. Like you said, Ashworth and Shireman spacing the floor, Cockburner down low. Like, There's a lot of intrigue and appeal of how this roster is designed. Greg McDermott's a great coach. Like, Making a Final Four is really freaking hard. That's the only pushback I would have on this uh, prediction. It's really, really hard. but
1: And it's bold.
0: In terms of Creighton or in terms of like looking at teams most equipped to make a Final Four run, like there's a reason Creighton's a top six, top eight team by by all accounts because they're equipped to do so. And, and I like the element of another team making their first Final Four run because it's part of just something we're seeing more in college basketball. There's more parity. There's more uh, teams. You know, talent gets spaced out a little bit more because the transfer portal will kind of see what those ultimate results look like in a few years as we kind of look back on the first few years of this portal era. But expecting new teams to make those kind of jumps is something that I'm really excited to watch for this year. And I think there's a really real chance that we're going to see Creighton in the final four. It wouldn't shock me at all, but seeing two teams also wouldn't shock me that much either. I think this is a fun, bold prediction.
1: Ah, oh, man, Andy, what a fun show. I love to do this because it's wild. And if anybody pushes back, we just say, well, that's why it's bold. It's bold. Right. <laughs> we want to hear your bold predictions, drop them in the comments or heck come join our discord. And we'd love to hear your bold predictions there. Speaking of, come join the discord cause we're going to have a mailbag show coming up later this week. And we'd love for you to drop some questions in our mailbag channel there on the discord. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on audio and video smash the like button if you're watching. So we know you're here. And again, we'd love to hear your comments as always. Thanks you everydayers for joining us. Apologies to the lawyer family. Go wild cats. And until tomorrow. peace.